Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about old stuff mm-hmm. put on by old guys. Yep. So old. Hello. Soup's old. Yep. Yeah. Maybe we just feel that way because we're around high school students all the time. Mm, that's, 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 that's a big part of it, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's us. There was a there was a time when I like knew all the memes. Uh huh. Oh gosh. And there was a time when I cared to know all the memes. And I'm in the, I'm in that period of You're life now that? where I can't be bothered. We did throwback television shows as one of our days of homecoming this year, and I I didn't even know them. <laughs> Usually I know them, but I've never watched mm-hmm. them. This year I didn't even know them because but you they still were dressed up. Didn't but you? I yeah I just furiously watched YouTube clips of it to find someone who was wearing an outfit of something that I already owned. <laughs> Good. I'm so Me sorry. too. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be a cowboy because I already own a flannel. Is that really what you did? Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. good. Um, but that was. But we we had paid our dues in the earlier days mm. of, of homecoming works. week. Well, we had we had shown up. Yes, we had. You know. Anyway. Anyway, we are three educators. We all work at a school called Veritas Academy in Austin, Texas. We Yoo-hoo. all. Yeah, we all enjoy our jobs. We all really care about education, about the classical world, about the human soul, and we want to bring that broad liberal education to. The masses, right? Education should be available to you if you want it. And the, we think that the classical way is the best way to get that broad ed- Western education. It was the way that that um, the educated were taught for centuries. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to bring it back in a way that's a, more palatable than sometimes you might otherwise receive it. That's right. Yeah. So a nice, easy, fun way to learn cool stuff. That's what we're about. So my name is AJ Hannenberg. I teach ninth grade and 12th grade English along with co-teaching thesis class with Mr. Donaldson over here. Fellas. <laughs> Boys. Boys. Fellas. Yeah. Hello. Oh, that's just a Canadian greeting. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening right there. That's fine. I was so confused. Yeah. I clearly it's, don't spend it's, the time. He's just naming groups of people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so strange. I don't Boys understand. And fellas. It's just an interjection that is used as an informal greeting. Fair. Boys. Yeah. And then we also have with us Mr. Thomas Magby. Hello. And he is the ombudsman of fun. Ombudsman the de- of fun. He is Dean of student life. The, uh, if there is ever fun, it has been cooked up in that mind of Thomas Magby. If ever fun happens to happen on this campus, it is because Magby orchestrated it, pulled the strings behind the scenes for that fun to happen. He tilled the soil um, that allowed the fun to sprout and grow. Graham's, right, we're getting, Graham is reading straight from my job description. So <laughs> much appreciated. We're getting pretty windy here, uh, being kind of, you know, there's a lot of hot air. So we're going to send it over to Magby for some more. No, nope, actually, <laughs> nope. I'm going to send it back to Graham for even more. <laughs> and I am sending it back to AJ. What are we talking about today, AJ? No, Wait, kidding. that's this, not fair. I this, did my episode. I know, this you one's did. on me. This is Graham's episode. Oh, really? It's Graham's episode? Yeah. I thought I was very confused about the ordering here. All right. All right. I'm, I apologize, Thomas, and I totally especially fine. apologize <laughs> to you, Graham. So today, gentlemen... Um, we are, we don't have any food in front of us, although I feel like we should because, oh, AJ has some popcorn because we are going to be talking about feasting. We are going to be talking about, um, uh, uh, getting our heads chopped off what? and we're going to be talking, which I regularly do at feasts. And we're going to be talking about just what do you do when you can't, when you're in a game that you can't win. Oh. Um, today we're going to be talking about a book called Sir Gawain okay. and the Green Knight. Um, it is a book of King Arthur's court. Nobody knows who wrote it, but uh, whoever wrote it was pretty familiar with um, the Midlands and the north of England, and that's all we got. Um, so we're just going to basically just go through the story a little bit, and then I have um, what I, I have a theory about the book. In that uh, the book talks, or the book has this um, a structure to it uh, that mirrors the tripartite soul, and I will I will present my theory to you both for your scrutiny. Mm. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about the book. So the book is about young King Arthur's court, um, and it is Christmas time, and all the bros are eating and drinking and making merry, and it is early King Arthur's court. Um, they have no beards. Mm. Uh, they are young. They're maybe a little headstrong, and it's Christmas. And they're since it's, boys. They're boys, fellas. <laughs> and since it's Christmas and in Camelot, uh, they are doing what everyone does in Christmas. They are eating, they are drinking, they are playing games, they are jousting, and they are playing some kind of like white elephant game that involves kissing. What? So there's the lords and ladies there, and there's some kind of game that involves, that. Uh, it's unclear, but if you win or if you lose, there's some sort of kiss that you have to pr- uh, do. Uh, you have to go and embrace the lady and everyone kind of laughs at you. Spin the mead? Yes, yeah, spin the mead, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, 
think of mistletoe, right? Like mistletoe came to the Middle Ages, and if you stand underneath mistletoe in a doorway with a fair young lass, um, you have to embrace her and give her a smooch. They needed um, a lot of excuses to make out back then. I yeah. think we're a little so more free is, with so the There's some days. kissing games going on in Camelot, um, and I, I think it's just to highlight the youthfulness of the court. Um, Arthur is sitting high on the dais, and he is full of mirth and enjoyment, and he wants some kind of game or some kind of story to happen before everyone can sit down and eat. When lo and behold, the door gets kicked in, cold air rushes into the hall of Camelot, and in rides a man, a Thomas. mountain of a man. Uh, his Me. name is not Thomas. I wish. Um, but it is a mountain of a man, um, completely green, not just dressed in green, but himself green. His skin is green, his hair is green, his horse is green. Like, it's almost as if he dyed his horse's hair. Um, and he comes in and he's holding a giant axe. And we actually, in my English class, did the math. Um, we sort of figured out how much, because they, they talk about the axe in, uh, in, I don't know, they give some kind of unit of measurement, and we tried to figure out what that was. Turns out the axe is four feet high. So it was a four, the handle is four feet and then you have this giant axe head. So he comes in with this giant four-foot-long axe and an all uh, and a holly bush branch. This is how I dress up to give presents to my nephews. Yes. So <laughs> and you kick in the door. When you, you kick do in it the too. door. Great. Merry so, Christmas. <laughs> so he comes in with his giant axe and his holly branch, and he's not wearing armor. So he's not. Even though he's brandishing a weapon, he's not here to throw down. And he comes in. Everyone's super. Everyone sort of shuts up, and the music stops playing, and there's a record scratch, and everyone looks over at this green knight. And he comes in and he basically insults the men of Camelot. And he says, um, he really makes fun of them. He calls them beardless boys. He says, is this how you greet a stranger without any words of welcome? And then Arthur sort of collects himself and he's like, of course, you are most welcome to come. Sit, eat, and let's have some food and some wine and then you can tell me why you're here. And he's like, nope. And why you're green. <laughs> right. And why you're green. He's like, nope, I am not here to tell you to enjoy food with you. I'm here to challenge you. I have a giant axe. And what we're going to do, fellas, is we're going to play a game of shot for shot. Do you guys ever play shot for shot when you're kids? No. What? Um, it's a game where... Uh, you take uh, a giant axe and hit No, 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 other? no. It's oh. like you punch the guy in the arm, and he punches you in the arm, and you punch him in the oh, arm, and you go back okay. and forth until someone says, says mercy or yes, uncle. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah, sure. So he's basically saying, we're going to play this kind of game. You're going to take this axe, and I'm going to let you take one good swing at my neck. I'll even bend down. Uh, you can take... And if you can do that in one year... I get to do the same to you. And there's sort of this murmur in the court and nobody... Doesn't he also kind of imply that if they don't take it, they're a bunch of cowards? Yeah. And so he, no one really says anything. Then he insults them and calls them beardless boys. And he says, I haven't even... Well, I haven't even... You... Um, yeah. He insults their honor. Let's see if I can even get the actual thing that he says because it's pretty... Um, it's pretty awesome what he says. Um, so no one really knows what to do. He says, so here is the house of Arthur. He scoffed whose virtues reverberate across vast realms. Where's the fortitude and fearlessness you're so famous for, and the breathtaking bravery and the big mouth bragging, the towering reputation of the round table, skittered and scuppered by a stranger? What a scandal. Um, <laughs> and so he makes fun of them, and then Arthur is essentially like, oh, I'll play your game. And he gets down, so and um, so he's going to get down, he's going to play this game, and yeah. Guinevere has like warning bells go off in her mind, and she's like, something's not right. And she kind of gives a like uh, anger, a hesitant and scared look to Gawain, who is Arthur's nephew, one of these young knights. And Gawain's like, "I got gotcha. you." And then he's like, "My lord, perhaps I should take the game in your stead." Um, and this is Gawain has to be careful here because he could just insult Arthur and say, um, "You know, like I'll do this in your stead." But Gawain's being pretty smart, uh, and he says, "I am the weakest of the knights. I'm the smallest." Um, and if I die, my loss of life will not be hard for Camelot. And then, consequently, if I win, although Gawain doesn't say this, if I win, like, the weakest knight just won this game, right. uh, how awesome is Camelot? So he kind of gets Arthur out of a sticky situation, um, and I think Gawain sort of senses that there's something devious going on with a man completely dressed in green. Um, but the game on the face of it seems to be the knight is saying that these boys are too young to lift his giant axe, and if they can lift the axe, then he gets his head chopped off and they win the game. That seems to be on the face of it what this game is. So Gwen's like, I'll do this. So the Green Knight gets off. Um, he uh, uh, moves his hair from the nape of his neck. Gawain takes the axe, lifts it up to the heavens, brings it down, 
cleaves the guy's head straight off, uh, digs the axe into the cobblestones, and it makes a big clang sound, and the guy's head rolls on the ground, and um, it rolls past lady's feet, and they scream and yell and kick it as it goes by. And then wow. Lancelot goes, woo! Yeah, everyone's just like, black! Because <laughs> you know Lancelot. This little head rolls by, and they sort of kick it under the feet. So the game ends. And the game uh, ends. Yeah, this is... But they, then the Green won. Knight has not, does not fall down and die. What? This headless man walks over, picks up the head from the ground, holds it aloft, turns the face towards King Arthur. Its eyes open, and it's like, I'll see you in a year. Mm-hmm. Gets on his horse and rides off. And everyone's like, That's bad. Ah, dang it. <laughs> and then Arthur's like, That was really cool. And then they go, oh. and they eat, and they drink, and they make merry, and it's Christmas time. Meanwhile, Gawain's like, Aw. So that's not fair. Right. It's not fair. I can't do that. Yeah. This, this is the reverse. I'm so dead. now Gawain is honor bound to go seek out this Green Knight. The Green Knight gives him a little like, you know, you'll find me. But Gawain's like, how am I going to find you? And he's like, oh, my name's the Green Knight. I live at the Green Chapel. Just ask around. You'll find me. <laughs> Bye. Really- and then off he goes. Yeah. And then Gawain um, uh, gets, you know, it's a year later. And he gets all kitted out, and it's like November 1st, it's All Saints Day, because this, this game's going to take place around Christmas time. So he gets all kitted out, and he gets in his horse, and he gives these tearful goodbyes to everybody in Camelot. Because he he's probably a dead man. He's probably a dead man. He cannot, he can't, you know, this, if, Go, if small Gawain can cut this guy's head off, this giant green knight's definitely going to cut Gawain's head off. And right? he can't wuss out, because then he wussed out and he loses all faith exactly. and honor, and he can't exist anymore in his world. That's he right. has to, he's honor bound to go do this. So he's at, So his choices are death. Or dishonor, and he's not going to choose dishonor, so Gawain is going to have to go die. So he's got this game that he cannot, he, he you know, you can't win. It was a trick. Um, you can't win this game. The only way to win this game is to not play, but not play is dishonorable, so uh, the only result is death. So Gawain rides off to his death, and everyone cries as he leaves. And Gawain and his horse Gringolet go off into the woods looking for this green knight. Um, Gawain rides around for a little bit. Uh, he has some, a couple of adventures. He like kills a couple of wolves and there's a giant that he escapes from. And, um, there's like some other creature in there that they don't even bother translating it from the old English to the new English. Cause we don't really know what it is. I think it's some sort of like mountain, mountain animal. Anyway, it's kind of a scary mountain animal. Anyway, so he rides around and then it's Christmas Eve and he's been like sleeping in his armor. He's been outside in the cold and he is real. And it's in Britain. It's in England. And you know, that's it's a, cold. That's a cloudy, rainy place. And so he's just super bummed. And so uh, it's Christmas Eve, and he prays to God. He prays to Jesus, and he prays to Mary, and he's like, "I just want some place where I can spend Christmas Day, and I can go to church. I can go to Mass in a warm place. I don't have to do Mass outside." Because the idea of of spending Christmas by yourself in your armor, eating like roots and frozen potatoes, does not sound very exciting dude sweet potatoes are not frozen <laughs> true you ever tried them <laughs> frozen raw sweet potatoes you know what i have not actually but dude don't, don't, <laughs> don't knock it, it. don't yeah. knock it till you try it well anyway maybe if, even if they are good he's been eating them for weeks so he wants something a little different <laughs> three yeah. weeks of frozen sweet potato yeah. raws i that's imagine awesome. that's not the greatest so he goes around the corner and he sees a castle and he's like oh sweet thanks god answer to prayer and he rides up and the guy the little castle gate person says, uh, yeah, come on in. And Gawain is in full, beautiful armor. Uh, they take lo- lots of pages to describe how glorious his armor is. So Gawain, everyone, when you look at him, realize that Gawain is this gorgeous um, uh, man. He's, he, he he's, is, a, he's a flowering example of manhood. That's right. It'd be like the modern, if he's got the new Yeezys. <laughs> exactly. <Ugh>. Yes. <laughs> uh, riding in uh, and rolling into rolling into this this guy's house. Anyway, so he rolls in. This host, come, the host, the lord of this house comes down and he is a worthy man. He is a big dude with a big red beard um, and um, he welcomes Gawain and he says, you are more than welcome. Oh, here, you're from Camelot? Awesome. I've always wanted to meet a knight from Camelot. You are more than welcome to stay at my house, to spend Christmas. Um, Gawain says, I'm looking for the Green Knight and this Green Chapel. And the host is like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll figure that out later. It's Christmas, my dude. Um, uh, you're going to eat and drink with me. This is going to be awesome. Cool. And Gawain's like, great. They go to church. They sit together in church. The host um, becomes his fast friend. Uh, he um, There's this giant feast of fish and delicious food. And Gawain's like, wow, I've never seen so much food. And the host is like, are you serious? 
This is our fast day. Wow. This is our fast feast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He's like, you haven't even seen anything. This is our off day, basically. It's crazy. You know, he, if they're doing the, maybe what's that diet that you did? There's like 30, the 30 days of death or whatever it's called. I, I did not do this, but whole 30. I yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. It's like, is there something on that diet where you don't eat for, like you eat like no. a small meal? I don't think it's the size of the meal. It's you cut certain foods out during oh, Whole30. That sounds, that sounds awful. Are you thinking um, of the juice cleanse? I'm just thinking of like any diet where you have like an off, you have a day where you eat less. The host has basically said, this is our off day. We're mm. eating less and Gawain's like, holy crap. So it's lots of food, lots of wine. Gawain drinks a little too much, it says. And oh. he and him and the host sort of get giddy together. They, they, they sort of laugh and get giddy, which is hilarious. Anyway, and then the host's wife is beautiful. And she's very, she wants to meet this night at the round table and she comes out and she's resplendent in her glory and she's very coy. Um, and Gawain sees her at church and uh, the, the host's wife's, so the wife, she has a chaperone or this little old lady that helps her out. Um, basically like her lady in waiting and she's this old crone mm-hmm. and she's kind of nasty looking <laughs> and there's this very hilarious scene where the author like juxtaposes the two you have the beautiful lady and you've got this old crone and it says that like Gawain liked to look at the lady and not the old crone <laughs> but when he goes and introduces himself he goes to the old lady first Good and introduces him. himself kisses her hand and then introduces himself to the lady and she sort of is very coy and then um uh, the lady loves talking to Gawain because Gawain is very well-mannered and he can talk about high subjects. So you imagine that this poor lady in the middle of nowhere um, uh, has no one to talk to except her husband and no one to talk to at these Christmas feasts. It's probably very boring because if she, you know, goes to her local farmer, um, she's like, you know, hello, local farmer, how are you? And he's like... My cow sleeps in my house for warmth. And you're like, You ever okay. seen a pig give birth? Yeah, exactly. Like, not. So the lady seems to be very happy that somebody is here who can talk about things with her. And so Gawain entertains this lady all through dinner, and they have conversations about um, chivalry and knighthood and uh, charity and all the things that knights are supposed to live and die for. And the, way, the lady is quite intrigued with these things. Okay. Um... um if you want to know more basic stuff about Christian knights, you can go back to listen to one of our earlier podcasts on Christian knights. Uh, but to su- suffice to say that the author of Sir Gawain the Green Knight and Christian knights in general, their highest calling was charity. That was what they were called to do. And not give money to the poor. That's kind of what we call charity nowadays. But charity was they were supposed to love without expectation. And by love, it meant it means that they were supposed to serve people that, who had no ability to repay them. So if you were a knight, you were supposed to ride off and look for ways that you could help the di- unfortunate, and you could, would not expect any kind of, of, of thing in return except your, a good name. So in many ways, knights were kind of philosophers of love. Like they, they had to think of the world about, about how could they interject themselves into the world uh, and b- spread charity um, and kind of live for charity. So uh, in the story, it says that the the lady loves to talk to Gawain about love, and it's not this romantic love. It, it's this idea of of the knights going off and being and being these charitable um, um, men of, of of honor. So Gawain is there. It's and it's a great time. And then a couple days pass, and everyone goes home. And so it's just the host and the lady and whoever lives in the castle. And the host says. Gawain, uh, I know you have a job to do, but just let's hang out for a couple more days. It's you got a long time until until New Year's Eve when you need to go play this game, because uh, he told he's told the host about the game. Um, and he says, Gawain, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, on a hunt, and I propose a, ga- a game because it's Christmas time. It's time to play games. So the, the g- games involving gifts. This is a very uh, uh, something that that we've already seen in Camelot at the beginning. And he says, I'm gonna go with my bros. We're gonna go hunt. And whatever I win on the hunt, um, I will bring back to you. And you can keep. And I want you to entertain uh, my wife because she's all alone, bored in this house to tears. And it seems like she loves talking to you about things. 
And whatever, if she gives you any gifts or whatever sort of co- good conversation you have, um, I want you to give to me in return. So if you get anything while you're hanging out with uh, my wife and everybody else in the castle, give to me. So he's hoping maybe for some good chats? Yeah, some good chats or just, you know, uh, uh, stories or tales or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever I win in the hunt, I will give to you. And at the end of the day, this will give us something to talk about mm-hmm. when we eat. Um um, so it gives a little stakes to our, to our, our day, and, it's, and, it's, and it gives me incentive to hunt, and it gives you incentive to talk to my wife and to not just sort of mope around. And so Gawain's like, that sounds awesome. Sounds what could great. go wrong? Right. Well, and of course, red flags everywhere. Right. Um, and so Gawain says that this is great. Okay. Um, we already have some parallels. Uh, if you are a teacher of this book or a reader of this book and you know the Odyssey, I, or if you know just sort of the story of the Odyssey and Troy, I highly suggest going through this book and looking for parallels because we have a host with a bunch of big red hair and he's got a gorgeous wife mm. and he has his hot young thing come into his house and entertaining his wife. Hennenberg, as the teacher of Greek literature, what story does this elicit? Uh, that would Red-haired be man? Yeah. Menelaus and Helen, would it not? Mm-hmm. Menelaus and Helen. In fact, at the very first line of Sir Gawain the Green Knight starts with this. Once the siege and assault of Troy had ceased, when the city, a smoke heap of cinders and ash, the traitor who contrived such betrayal there was tried for his treachery, the truest on earth. So Aeneas it was with his noble warriors, mm. and it goes on to say how Rome, how England was founded by a descendant of Rome. But it, it harkens back to Troy and makes and reminds the reader of the treachery and the betrayal of Troy and uh, and Paris, mm-hmm. who took Helen and because of taking Helen, destroyed Troy, this beautiful crown of of order and human achievement and a good king. Well, now we've got Sir Gawain, and he is going to be in someone's house, and he is going to be with this beautiful lady. And is our Christian knight going to make the same mistakes that our uh, our pagan hero made uh, and brought about the fall of Ilium, but brought about the fall of Troy? Is Gawain going to bring about the dishonor of Camelot because of his um, his lack of discretion with the wife? Anyway, so we've and there's all these other Odyssey parallels. Like there's this point where um, Gawain, after his travels, puts on clean clothes and comes out, and everyone's like. Oh dang, you look like a god. And Gawain's like, no, I'm just a knight. And it's clearly an Odyssey parallel to when Odysseus puts on uh, fancy clothes after they find him in the woods. And um, um, and everyone's like, ooh, you're someone important. Anyway, there's tons of these little Odyssey parallels and uh, to show that Gawain is, is a hero like these heroes. And I think the author is saying, but better. Mm. These Christian knights are better than these pagan heroes um, because they have the, the story is about moral virtue as opposed to um, face smashing virtue, or you can fight. Anyway, um, so there. So then Gawain. Uh, so the host goes off and he hunts this a deer, and this poor little deer runs away. And there's this huge descriptive scene of the deer being chased. And the dogs tearing into the deers, and the, uh, but they're not killing the male deers. They're going after the the does, and it says like at the end of it they have a mountain of deer, which is hilarious. They kill all these deer, um, and uh, it is in, in the way that the chase is described. It is very martial. It is very noble. It is romantic, right? You're chasing the stag. I guess it's not a stag. You're chasing the doe through the woods, riding the horses with your spears. Um, uh, the language is very. Uh, uh, noble and glorious. Uh, it is. It is the hunt of kings. It's chasing the stag. It's chasing the doe. And at that point, killing that much deer wouldn't have made a dent. Yeah. In the amount of deer. That's right. Yeah. So, um, meanwhile, then Gawain is sleeping, sleeping in in his little chamber, and he hears the door on lo- latch, and the door creak open, and Gawain is a little startled because he's alone in his room. And he's in one of those beds that have the curtains around it. Mm. And so it's, he peeks out of the curtains <laughs> and he looks and he sees that the lady is sneaking into his chamber. And he goes, oh, crap. Uh, what could this mean? And Gawain realizes that he's in that, that position that lots of knights find themselves in. You are young and handsome and fight for truth and honor and beauty and goodness. 
and that ladies. makes you and and you ladies are like you are different deferential to ladies and you hold the, all the ladies in the realm of high esteem and that makes you an attractive figure and this lady is coming in and she is married to somebody who is noble in his own right but you don't know what's going on you don't know if this is a happy marriage you don't know if there's an age difference and Gawain's like oh crap I need to keep my wits about me this could go real south real fast so he pretends to be asleep. <laughs> and Great. so he's pretending to be asleep, and then he hears the curtain open, and he feels the lady sit on his bed. And he's like, oh. So he pretends to wake up, and he sees the lady and immediately crosses himself. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I didn't see you come in. And she says, Gawain, um, I have caught you. I've trapped you. You are my prisoner, oh. is what it says. And very jokingly, um, I mean, I'm just trying to see what I've got. Um, yes, because the language is really important. She says, <coughs> excuse me. Good morning, Sir Gawain, said the graceful lady. Lady, You sleep so soundly, one might sidle in here. You're tricked and you're trapped. But let's make a truce mm. or I'll besiege you in your bed and you'd better believe me. She giggled girlishly as she teased good Gawain. The man in bed said, good morning, ma'am. I'll contentedly attend whatever task you set, and in serving your desires, I seek your mercy, which seems my best plan in the circumstances. And he loaded his light-hearted words with laughter. (laughs) 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 But my gracious lady, if you grant me leave, will you pardon this prisoner and prompt him to rise? Then I'll quit these covers and pull on my clothes, and our words will flow more freely back and forth. Hmm. Not so beautiful, sir, the sweet lady said. Bide in your bed, my own plan is better. I'll tuck in your covers corner to corner, then playfully parlay with the man I have pinned. And then they go back and forth and they chat a little bit about this. But have you noticed the kinds of like descriptors and adjectives or even the little metaphor that the lady has used to describe the way that uh, this interaction with the knight? What is it? The war and prisoner? That's right. I've besieged you. Gawain, I am the army that has uh, broken into your fortress and I've captured you and now you're mine. And Gawain says, will you grant me mercy to go and rise so we can better have a discourse? And she says, no, I will parlay with you here, my prisoner. So she's playing this little like military language game that I've captured you. And Gawain gives in, plays into it. Oh, she seems so sketchy. She seems a little sketchy. So Gawain gives into it. um, And then she goes and she continues to say, I've captured you and you are the best knight Surely nobody on earth realizes the prize that I have captured because you are the best knight that has ever lived from what I've heard and you are worth far more than your weight in gold. If I'm going to ransom you off, she kind of jokes, I'm going to, I would never ransom you off because um, um, nobody could pay your ransom and it is much better to have you as a prisoner than it is to have the money that it would cost to free you. And Gawain's like, so she's flattering his honor and his pride and his sort of um, his name, and Gawain sort of says, "No, you're you know um, you you know you you that is very kind of you to say, but in reality you have a, a far better man than I in your home already. Your husband, remember <laughs> him? Um, and um, and and um, so yes, um, you do not need a giant hoard of gold. Uh, you've got um, you've already got the the, the great uh, a great man." Um, you found far better, but I'm proud of the price you would pay from your purse and will swear to serve you as my sovereign forever. Let Christ now know that Gawain is your knight. So he basically says, it's very flattering that you value me so high and that you would put a, such a high price on my head. I will be your man. You've captured me and I will be your knight. So he's kind of playing this game of I've been captured in battle and now I'm going to serve you um, because of how nice you are to me. And she laughs and she thinks this is hilarious. What a fun game. And then as she's leaving, she's like, wait, you're not Gawain. And he's like, why not? And he says, a knight so noble as Gawain would never have entertained a lady without asking for a kiss. And so Hmm. he says, my lady, you are most right. And so he says, of course, I I, uh, request... Uh, uh, you know, an embrace. And she comes and she kisses him. And it's indeterminate where she kisses him, whether it's like a full-on kiss on the lips or if it's sort of like a comely kiss on the cheek. Um, Whatever it is, you know, Gawain's not cool with this whole situation, but he's also in this 
he can't be like, get away from me, Jezebel, right? Like right. He's in somebody's house. Right. So um, he's kind of having to play this game. And so she comes and she kisses him and then she leaves and he immediately jumps out of his bed, puts on his clothes and goes to church. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes to mass. Anyway, the Lord comes back and presents Gawain with the choicest venison cuts hmm. and, uh, and gives it to Gawain. And then the Lord says, so Gawain, what have you won this night? And Gawain comes and kisses the Lord. And the Lord laughs uproariously and thinks this is hilarious. And he's like, all right, we're doing this again tomorrow. Wait, he's cool with this? He's cool with this. He thinks this is hilarious. Um, That's and weird. It's, but yeah, so uh, yes. So go, remember, kissing games were a thing in, at Christmas time. I guess. So yeah. It was a Spin the mead, baby. It's a little odd. <sighs> Spin the mead. So, day two, the, the Lord goes off, and his hunt is not a beautiful, noble, glorious hunting the stag through the forest. It is a down-in-the-mud slugfest with a pig. Mm-hmm. He hunts a boar, and the boar refuses to die. Um, dogs are getting gored left and right. The, the arrows are bouncing off the pig. Um, the pig at one point like stops running, turns around, snorts at them, and everyone's like, whoa, I'm not going after this pig. And then at some point they chase the pig into a bog and the pig gets stuck and has like killed a bunch of dogs and has wounded a bunch of noblemen and the pig is bloodied and angry. Um, and the Lord gets off his horse and wades through the muck, takes out his lance and like lances the pig in the throat and kills the pig. So we don't have this glorious noble hunt. We get this like, like, you know, um, muddy affair of back and forth of the pig is winning and then the Lord is winning and then the pig is winning and then the pig is eventually like unceremoniously gutted. Mm. Okay, so that's hunt number two. Meanwhile, so the um, the lady comes in and Gawain uh, into this chamber again and Gawain is in bed and this time he's awake and the lady comes in and she says, she approaches the curtains, parts them and peeps in at which Sir Gawain makes her welcome at once. And with prompt speech, she replies to the prince, sitting by his side and giggling sweetly, looking at him lovingly before launching her words. If this is Gawain who greets me, I am galled that a man so dedicated to doing his duty cannot heed the first rule of honorable behavior, which has entered through one ear and exited the other. You have already lost what yesterday you learned in the truest lesson my tongue could teach." What lesson asked the knight? I know of none, um, though if discourtesy had occurred, then correct me, of course. I encouraged you to kiss, the lady said kindly, and to claim one quickly when one is requested, an act which ennobles any knight worth the name. And then he's like, okay, I didn't mean to offend. I dare not. Um, so he says, I dare not ask for kisses in case I'm refused, and that's kind of embarrassing. And then she says, in truth, she told him, you cannot be turned down. If someone were so snotty as to snub your advances, a man like you has the means of his muscles. She's like, if someone doesn't want to kiss you, Gawain, you're big and strong. You can get whatever kisses you want. And Gawain says, yes, by God, what you say holds good. But such heavy handedness is frowned in my homeland. He's like, we don't force ladies to kiss where I'm from. Um, And then she comes in and she says that she wants to talk of love. I would like to learn said the noble lady, and please find no offense, but how can it follow that a lord so lively and young in years, a champion in chivalry across the country, and in chivalry, the chief most aspect to choose, as all knight acknowledge, is loyalty and love, and then she says, she explains what sort of these tales are uh, that she wants to learn about of knights and ladies and, and, um, and Rome and chivalry and all these sorts of tales. She explains these kinds of tales. She says, yes, how can it follow that twice I have taken the seat at your side, yet you have not spoken the smallest syllable which belongs to love or anything like it? A knight so courteous and considerate in his service really ought to be eager to offer this pupil some lessons in love and to lead by example. Is he actually ignorant, this man of eminence, or does he deem me too dunce-like to hear of dalliances? I come to learn of love and more, a lady all alone, perform for me before my husband heads for home. Okay, so she's come in and she, what's the sort of the language that she uses on this this day? Strength, something about, well, at the beginning it's... Pupil and learner, right? Pupil and learner. So that's the little story that she says. I am a student, you are the teacher, you know about know more about love, I've come to learn about love. But then she also... Um, uh, presents a little bit of a like 
logical fallacy. I think it's equivocation or Hannenberg. What's where you misuse it's words? She she uses a word. To, it's, it's either just relying on the ambiguity of the word love, mm. but she is using it in one sense and he, at, like under the guise of it being used in another sense, which I think is equivocation. That's equivocation right. means using a word one way and then later using it a different way. So she comes in, she says, hey, you knights, I hear you knights are all about love. And she means charity. And she explains it. Yeah, so and it's equivocation. Like, and she's like, I'm a lady all alone. So why don't you teach me about love? And she don't mean charity. So she's coming in and she equivocates on this word love. Knights are all about charity. Why don't you teach me about Eros is kind of what she's implying. And Gawain um, defers and he says, actually, you as a noble lady know far more, and also as a married lady, know far more about love than I can teach. I am but a humble servant to my king and to you, my lady. So he kind of um, doesn't engage in it, and he kind of unwinds the equivocation by saying, you know more about all aspects of love than I do. Um, he doesn't engage in the, in the, in the fallacy. And um, so this second day, and so at the end of it, uh, she kisses him again and leaves. Pardon me. So... Um, and then off she goes, and immediately when she leaves, he throws off his bedclothes, uh, throws on uh, his, his regular clothes, and goes straight to church, and, and uh, prays to God. The Lord comes home, and he gives him a big old piece of bacon. He gives him a giant p- pig, and Gawain's like, this is awesome. So he eats pig, and then he embraces the Lord twice, and the Lord's like, oh, this is hilarious, Gawain. This is so fun. T- th- tomorrow. Gawain's like, you know what? I really got to get out of here. Right. I got to go find this green chapel. The I'm Lord's really like, not feeling very comfortable I, he, anymore. But he doesn't want to say this. He doesn't want to be like, and like your late, your wife is coming on to me because you could have like a Potiphar's wife situation. Mm. Like he's really, also in someone's he, house. Is he and, totally sure that that's what's happening? Exactly. It's a little ambiguous. He doesn't really know if the lady is just. She's like leaving the door. She's not fully opening the door, but she's definitely leaving it open a crack where maybe she wants you to. Yeah, she's yes. leaning in like, teach me about love, Gawain. And he's like, ah, is, is she really coming on to me or am I just imagining all this? It would be better if I just got out of here. Uh, and no one, we don't have to address this openly. I just got to leave. The host is like, nah, man, <laughs> the Green Chapel, I know where it is. It's just around the corner. Oh, uh, really? I know all about it. Um, you can be there in half a, half a day's ride. Stay one more day. We'll play the game one more time. Gawain's like, fine. Okay. <laughs> Third day. The Lord goes out, and the only thing that they can hunt is a fox. This little crafty fox, it runs around. Uh, the fox is terrified. The fox goes, you know, uh, is crafty and he's hiding in trees and he's hiding in bushes and the dogs are chasing after him. The fox is basically hounded. He's just said the fox essentially gets hounded to death by the dogs. The, wherever the fox goes, the dogs are there right behind him, nipping at the fox's heels. The fox gets no moment of peace and the fox basically dies with a heart attack. Like mm. it just runs itself to death. Yeah. And everyone in the hunt's kind of disappointed. They get this one fox. They're like, man, this kind of sucks. All right. Now, um, meanwhile at home, the lady um, puts on her most beautiful clothes. Her neck is bare. She puts jewels in her hair. Um, she wears a low-cut top. Um, her back and shoulders are bare. She comes in. And um, she comes in to Gawain's chambers full of wugachakas, guns blazing, no ambiguity. She goes to Can Gawain. Can you please define full Wuga of Chakas? Well, I mean, there, she is. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think I get your meaning. Yes. Well, um, how does? Uh, um, I believe uh, what the author says is. Meanwhile, Gawain's having terrible nightmares about getting his head chopped off because he's he's just terrified about going and dying uh, in the Green Knight. And it says, um, so she comes in, gorgeous mm-hmm. and wearing. What you should probably, it's basically, yeah, she should be wearing more clothes. And it says, for that noble princess pushed him and pressed him, nudged him ever nearer to a limit where he needed to allow her love or impolitely reject it. He was careful to be curious and avoid uncouthness, cautious that his conduct might be classed as sinful and counted as betrayal by the keeper of the castle. I shall not succumb, he swore to himself. With affectionate laughter, <laughs> he fenced and deflected all the loving phrases which leapt from her lips. So be, she basically comes in and leaves no room for imagination. She wants to make out with Gawain and more. And Gawain, at some point, says, has to refuse her. This is, this is, so this is, uh, if her intentions were ambiguous, it is no longer ambiguous. Mm-hmm. She loves him and wants him, and he refuses her. And then she pouts. He's like, 
maybe do you have a girlfriend back home? And he's like, nope. Uh, and she's like, so you're just going to leave? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, are you going to give me something to remember me by? And he's like, that's not really appropriate. No, mm. I'm not. And I didn't really, I didn't really come with gifts for ladies. That wasn't really why I came on this quest. I'm coming on this quest to die. And then she says, can I give you something to remember me by? And he's like, no. okay. And she's like, how about this ring? And it's like a bajillion dollar ring. It's got jewels and diamonds and sapphires. And he's like, that's, that's a bit much. Not really my style. Yeah, right. It's a little, I'm a rugged it's, I mean, knight. it's a little kind of heavy. And how do you explain that back home? This married lady gave me this ring. That's <laughs> not, that's not an honorable thing. Yeah. And so she's like, all right, fine. How about this, this scarf that I'm wearing? And he's like, okay. And she's like, oh, by the way, this scarf, if you wear it, um, you will not die by a viol- by any violent means. Oh, that's useful. And he's I like, feel like, he's like, huh? I feel like that's a that's a relic that could fetch a lot of money on the, yeah, the old market, on the old relic yeah. market. You know what I mean? And Gawain's like, that's gonna come in handy, <laughs> <laughs> especially I tomorrow. Do, yeah, I yeah. do think that this might be. Uh, yeah. Um, and she's like, okay, so I will give you the scarf, but you got to promise me one thing: don't tell my husband I gave it to you. Oh. And he's like, okay. And then he takes it, and he's and she leaves, and he's like, "Hot dang! I I'm, see where this is I'm going. not going to die tomorrow." Isn't he supposed to give it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's supposed and to so give it to the. So Gawain is now in trouble, and he doesn't realize it. But Gawain has kind of double booked his honor. He's he's ah. given his word twice. Right. He's told the Lord, "I will give you whatever I win," and he's told the lady, "I won't let the Lord know that you gave me your your scarf." And in bonus, isn't this a little bit of a, a cowardly act? The Green Knight didn't have a scarf that made him impervious. Yeah, well, he also blow. had this like ability, this to... fun game to pick his head up. Right. Yeah, which is cool, but still, doesn't it reveal a little bit of fear on a little bit? Sir, yeah, Sir Gawain, I think, is seeing like an out. He's seeing like a, a trick that he can play on the Green Knight. If right. the Green Knight played a trick but on him, th- th- I think that bespeaks of a little bit lower valor, don't you exactly. think so? I would. I mean, yeah, it seems like a. A, a smirch. It's sure. a smirch. He's it's being a, a smirch. Yes. So Gawain takes it and he's like, at least I don't have to die now. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to the Lord and the Lord's like, hey, hey man, all I got you was this crappy fox. And he gives him the fox skin, or the fox fur. And then Gawain kisses him three times. And the Lord's like, that it? Gawain's like, yep. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, the Lord's like, all right, cool. And then they feast. And then the next day, Gawain uh, is led to the green chapel. And he says goodbye to the lady and the Lord. And he's led to the green chapel. And when he gets there, he meets the green knight. And the Green Knight's like, oh, are we doing this? And then Gawain's like, yep. Gawain takes off his helmet, leans his head forward. The Green Knight takes the axe on high. Is he wearing the scarf at this point? Uh, Gawain is wearing the scarf at this point. Is it, is it like around his waist? Yeah, it's around like his a... waist or is, uh, he should wrapped it around his torso. It's a long scarf. Okay. And the Green Knight takes the aft aloft and lifts it high and brings it down. And Gawain flinches at the last moment. And the Green Knight's like, buddy, <laughs> did you just flinch? I didn't flinch when you do this. Did I wow. flinch when you do this? And Gawain's like, fine, I won't flinch this time. And Gawain that's okay. Poor Gawain. I know, he's um, just uh, Gawain, with yeah. him. I know. So mean. And so then the Green Knight comes, uh, brings the axe down, and he brings it down and stops, and he goes, ah! And that's... Gawain doesn't flinch. And the Green Knight's like, oh, yeah, boy. And he's like, okay, I see you. I see you not flinching. All right, this time it's coming for real. And then the Green Knight lifts the axe aloft. It comes down. And it slices Gawain's neck just a little bit. He misses the Green Knight nick, misses on nick. purpose huh. and just nicks his neck. And the blood goes onto the white snow. And Gawain looks down and sees his blood and realizes he's still alive. Jumps back, throws on his helmet, takes off his shrugs his shield from his shoulder, pulls out his sword, and he's like ready to fight. Mm. He's like that counts. 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 I took your hit. I don't have to take another one. If you want to fight me, let's do this thing. I did it. It counts. <laughs> and then the Green Knight laughs, leans on his axe, and he says. Um, the first night you were true, so I didn't hit you. The second night you were true, so I didn't hit you. But the third night, Gawain, you kept the green s- wow. scarf that my wife gave you. What? And, um, and, be- and so, um, he says, because you loved your life, um, a little bit more, um, yeah, so the green knight is, in fact, the host. And what? he, uh, um, uh, says, um... Even though that, the host, the host huh? wasn't green, the was host he? wasn't green. So this is like a little some magic sort trick, of trickery. some sort of trickery. Yeah. So the host basically tells Gawain, like, because you played this game, you didn't give in to my wife's advances, and the only way, the only reason why I hit you and made you bleed was because you loved your life more than than death. What he says is, um, I sent her to test you, and in truth, it turns out you are by far the most faultless fellow on earth. 
as a pearl is more prized than a pea which is white, so by God is Gawain amongst gallant knights. Mm. You're a pearl and a big bowl of white peas. <laughs> but a little thing more. I mean, is, it white, is that kind of rare, yeah, white I, pea? I guess so. Oh. But a little thing more, it was loyalty that you lacked. Not mm. because you're wicked or a womanizer or worse, but you loved your own life, so I blame you less. And Gawain is crushed. I bet. He says, a curse upon cowardness and covetousness. They breed villainy and vice and destroy all virtue. He says, my downfall and undoing. And then, yeah. and he's like, and he takes off the green girl and he throws it at the knight. And he's like, this was my downfall and undoing. You take it. And the host is like, dude, you're the best knight I've ever seen. Oh, wow. He says, you are amazing. Um, uh, my lady threw everything that she had at you, and the only th- way, way that you failed was because you didn't want to get your head chopped off in a game you couldn't win. He's like, that's pretty awesome. Hmm. Camelot's knights are pretty great. Especially if you're the worst one. Especially right? if you're the worst one. He's like, come back to my house. My lady's eager to see you and hang out, and we can now like talk openly. And Gawain's like, yeah, I've had enough of your <laughs> so weird I'm family. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go home. <laughs> But I'm going to wear this green belt as a sign of my failure. Hmm. And the green knight's like, dude, don't be so hard on yourself. You're amazing. You were the greatest knight I've ever seen. And Gawain's like, I failed. And then he goes home and he tells Camelot this whole story. And Camelot, Arthur laughs at him. Not not like mockingly, but laughs at him in joy. And Gawain's like really down on himself. And Arthur laughs. And I kind of read that as like, oh, Gawain, like stop, like... This is a gift. This isn't this isn't something to be upset about. Right. And so Camelot decides that they will all wear oh. green sashes around wow. their arms and waists cool. in solidarity with Gawain and also because they realized that they can't be perfect, but they can be good. And this is kind good. of like the maturity lesson that Gawain learns. Like you can't be perfect. Um, if you're because you're going to be playing games where you can't win, the only way to be perfectly honorable is is probably to go to a foolhardy death. Mm. Um, but you can That's be good. You can be noble, and true men can but try is a refrain that comes in the book a lot. And so at the end, Camelot kind of has this more deeper understanding of what it means to be a Christian knight. It's that you should always be striving for goodness instead of uh, uh, really holding like hold to the code of perfection. But be, but know that you can't achieve perfection. And like Gawain received mercy from the Green Knight, he didn't get, didn't get his head chopped off. We, as Christian knights, receive mercy in our imperfections. Christ died for us, but we still we still strive to be perfect knights. Okay, that's the story of Sir Gawain the Green Knight and kind of the moral at the end. But I want to talk about those three tests of the lady, because my hypothesis is this: is that those three tests correspond to the tripartite soul. Um, that the first, so the, the easiest one um, is probably the last one. Um, the sexy lady comes and she throws herself at Gawain and Gawain refuses her, is testing what part of the tripartite soul. Oh, just as a recap. So the tripartite soul is the, um, the rational, so the part that thinks and commands, the spirited, the part that acts and has valor and courage, and then the appetitive, the parts that feels and has desires. So it's appetitive. Yeah. So the, uh, clearly that last one is like she is testing his appetitive nature. Is he going to give in to sexual temptation? He says no. The second one um, where she's talking about learning and speech and um, teach me I'm your pupil and then she tries to trick him with a logical fallacy seems to be testing his rational soul. Mm -hmm. Is he clever enough to realize that she's playing a game on, she's equivocating on love? And then the first one, she uses martial language, language of, I've pinned you, you're trapped, I've got you, I'm going to parlay, we're going to see how much your valor is worth uh, on the valor market Mm -hmm. um, um, because you're my prisoner. Oh, wait, you're not Gawain, that can't be your name. Uh, because if you were Gawain, you would have done this thing. And he says, well, I'll do that thing. And he, and he kisses her. So it seems like she's sort of testing his valor, his name, and then using martial language of combat. Do you think this is a fair assessment of this of this story? I know Hannenberg hates this kind of thing. Why do you hate uh, this kind of thing? I, we, I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't necessarily hate it. I am I'm skeptical without enough textual proof. And it seems like there's a lot going on there. Um, to me... The kickers are why use those kinds of language? Why use those yep. two games of, of, I've trapped you, you're pinned, and teach me I'm your pupil, and then a wuga chakas? Like that seems to be, <laughs> the guys, uh-huh. 
Maybe this is a technical argument. That is a technical we're having, term. And yeah. I, I, you were laughing. I apologize for my <laughs> for my gleep. I'm wondering if there's anything in the animals that could give credibility to that. So that's the other thing. Is like the animals. The first one is like the way it's described. It's this noble hunt of like martial running through the woods. Mm-hmm. The second one, it's it's a I don't know. It's like a pig. Are pigs smart? Yeah. Are pigs rational souls? Pigs are incredibly smart, actually. And then there's this, there's this thing where it's like, it's this kind of down in the muck, back and forth, which kind of does seem like what happens in an intellectual battle. It's this sort of back and forth. But I have no reading for the fox, Between fox and, and the appetitive soul. The only thing I can think of is... She's a fox? No, the fox mm. is hounded to death. And the idea being that our appetites hound us hmm. that we can't ever get away from them we we have no moments peace our our appetites um hound us and chase us mm-hmm. um if and um that's the only thing i can think of and then and the idea that the doe the stag the, the that hunt is kind of a noble valorous that is the hunt of kings mm-hmm. that's the only correspondence that i can see with the three hunts and the three tests of the lady corresponding to the tripartite soul mm-hmm. they're clearly there's an escalation in the temptation. He's mm-hmm. more tempted on day three than he is on day one. Mm-hmm. So is there some connection there? Would we say appetites are stronger than the intellect are stronger than the spirit or the soul? Whatever? Maybe. Uh, um, I can see that there's the temptation of spirit. It seems like there's very few direct temptations there except for cowardice. Mm-hmm. And that most of the temptations to the spirit, i.e., Laziness, sloth, yeah, right. Acedia kind of comes via other temptations first. Gawain's not going to be tempted to, by being unchivalrous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a question. Then maybe, but Gawain, you know, he could be a dopey knight mm-hmm. and doesn't really know how to think. But uh, so that's the middle one. And the last one is all right. He's a man. Is he going to give in to this beautiful lady who is looking radiant and glorious after having, you know? a bunch of days of really getting along with her and and being it comes to mind you know like like he's not on the hunt with the lord it, it reminds me of david and mm. bathsheba um um david's uh, not in battle, not in battle. Yep. he's lounging around at home and he sees this beautiful lady so there's there's also a whole potiphar joseph uh undertones to this whole thing and of course paris and helen mm. paris Gives in or gives it or, or doesn't give in. He he takes Helen and destroys Troy because of it. Gawain doesn't take the lady and Camelot isn't destroyed. In fact, Camelot is improved because of Gawain's actions. Hmm. He comes back with this lesson of here's what Christian knights should be. We should worry about. We should focus on our goodness because we can't be. We can't be perfect. We're going to be put in situations that we can't win. Um, so because I don't know. Are you convinced, Sandberg? No, not entirely. And. It's not because your argument's bad. I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty compelling. I'm wondering if, because the correlation seems out of order to me, it goes... Well, out of what, how, what order should there so, be? So uh, it would make sense. I, I would feel a little bit more apt to give in if it was intellect, spirit, appetite, or appetite, spirit, intellect, yeah. because that's moving from outside, inside, or inside, outside, yeah. right? It's, it's weird to have it... That order. Spirit, intellect, appetite. Yeah. That's, that's odd, because it... it Starts in the middle of the person, goes to the core, and then goes to our most peripheral animal habits. It's strange. I mean, the reason why it's like this in the story is because on that second day, she says, you forgot what I taught you yesterday, so now you're going to teach me. And so there's like a narrative reason why it's out of order. So I was wondering if there was another another trilogy of things that this would that this would make sense to. For example, the temptations of Christ. Sure. What were the three temptations of Christ? Um... The te- three temptations of Christ are: uh, you're hungry, turn these. Uh, these are out of order. You're hungry, turn these these low these stones into bread. Um, here, you're at the top of a really tall building. If you throw yourself down, angels are going to make sure you don't get crushed. And I will give you all you see. And if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all, all the of kingdoms. earth. Yep. So I'm not sure there's a correlation there. No. I'm trying to think if there's another other famous threes. Yeah, other famous threes that might fit better with the book. Can I at least say I appreciate, so what you're trying to get at is what's happening in the temptations and he is clearly being, his whole person is being tempted. Yeah, That's what you're getting at. That's what I'm getting at is yeah. that, is that she's going after different aspects of Gawain. One is like the purely base sexual temptation. The other one is. Pride. She's flattering. Is, is you're flattering so smart. His name. Teach me. Is, is, yeah. And the other one, he's, she's flattering his name. You are Gawain the most 
um, glorious of all the nights, and I own you. I've I've captured you. I'm gonna hold you on f- before a king's ransom, and then um, you're Gawain, um, who are filled with stories of valor and love, and you know so much about love. So teach smart. me, teach me about love. So you're so valorous. You're you're so smart, and then you're, you're so sexy. Yeah. Are there any? Is there I, any comparison? I see Trapper Tessel. Are there? Yeah, that, that does make sense. Are there? Is there a list of virtues that are tied to the knights? So you mentioned charity. So his charity is tested in that it's attempted to be redefined. Is there any love list of it three? It could be. Yeah, it could have to do with the virtues. It's mm-hmm. testing each of his virtues. So, so love, charity, cha- uh, chastity. So like, yeah. So they could be corresponding to. So valor. causing him to go into deadly sins. So what's what's the opposite of cowardice? Uh, um, as a charity, though. As a charity, though. Oh, you're asking for what the good Sorry, thing is. Sorry, as a as a as a Courage. virtue. As Courage. A and then the middle one would be what? Ignorance? I don't know. So let's let's bring up the cardinal virtues here. So we have faith, hope, love, what wisdom, justice, courage, temperance. This guy. Chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, humility. But there's also the classical virtues, which are a little bit different. So there's the three theological virtues. Faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, love. And Wisdom, justice, courage, temperance. Those. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. If yeah. There's another... yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's a faith, hope, love thing. That would be interesting. No. Because, I, yeah, I, I do agree with AJ's comment that it seems out of order. But that's, Graham, your point of what should the order be is well taken. But it does seem out of order. But it is his entire person that's being mm-hmm. tested. And so, yeah. Anyway, and then the other... So th- this In is any in, case, yeah. he's going through some tests he's, that get yeah. at every downfall of man, or ah. at least some of the big ones, especially for a Christian knight. Personally, after having done this book six years in a row right. and reading you, you it, I, I'm convinced yeah. of it. Um, I'm convinced that the, the structure is there. And then the other interesting thing that you can do with this book is that there really is this play between, like letter of the law and spirit of the law or Gawain, Gawain and the Green Knight, they look at the act of what happens at the end. And Gawain's conclusion is, I failed. Mm. And the Green Knight's conclusion is, you're amazing. Right. You're good. And they both see, they both know the same story and they have Mm -hmm. different conclusions of it. Gawain seems to be working on this, like this, this structure of morality of you're either perfect or you've failed. Like you, you've either made a mistake or you've never made a mistake. And the Green Knight seems to be working on a structure of morality that says, you're way better than anybody I've ever seen. On the spectrum of morality, you are the closest to good that I've ever come across. And so you've got these sort of two points of view of looking at a scenario. Gawain's kind of got this more binary, I'm, you, I'm either a perfect knight or I'm a failure of a knight. And the Green Knight has more of a spectrum, you are really, really, really great knight. Um, and that tension between, um, I, I don't think that they're opposite views. I think that they can be complementary views. They're just different ways of, of looking at our actions in the world. And th- those kind of, th- that paradox of holding those two views at the same time, a binary one and a spectrum one, is kind of like the relationship we have as Christians. Mm. Like, cr- God has called us to be perfect, like, uh, be perfect like God is perfect, is a calling on Christians. But then there's also this, there's this fact that, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to work towards goodness. Mm-hmm. We all should be working towards goodness, even though we cannot achieve that perfection apart from grace, because we deserve to get our, deserve to get our heads chopped off, but we haven't got our heads chopped off because of Jesus. So, um, that in the end, that kind of paradox or that kind of tension that is in the moral world that we as Christians and therefore we as Christian knights have is symbolized in this green belt. Mm-hmm. And Gawain takes that home, tells the story to Camelot. Camelot says, yep, that's us. And yep. where's the green belt and are wiser and better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I love the, love the book. Um, I, yeah. Whether or not you listener are convinced of the, the tripartite. So I teach it that way that way um i do tell his kids that this is not a definitive reading this is my this is my thoughts on this i'm convinced that it's here and here's my defense of it Um, which is how you should write any good literature essay or opinion right Mm -hmm. this is what i think here's my defense that's that's what that's the work of literature and then students like but did the author intend that and then there's you can have a different conversation about intent and symbolisms and and the fact that like when you people who write stories are so steeped in in 
in these things that sometimes they can just happen. There can be right? unintentional. There symbolism. can be these sure. unintentional symbols. Like we like having things happen in threes is not a is not a you know uh, a mistake, but it, it but that is just sort of the natural way of doing things. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's that's sort of going the Green Knight and the Tripartite Soul and uh, some sort of in ways that you could interpret it. Um, it's a great little story. The kids love it because it's got sexual tension <laughs> and uh, um, and, uh, um, so- and it's good. I wanted to, uh, just like we did last week. Did you week, find one-star reviews? one-star reviews oh, of this awesome. one? I, I found three. So this one is titled, Hate This Book So Much. <laughs> Hate this book so much. It's boring and sometimes hard to understand what is going on. Still love J.R.R. Tolkien. I think this one is the, for the Tolkien translation. But this book that he rewrote from an unknown author isn't so good. One star. Uh, that's the title of the review. Mm-hmm. I hate this book. Great. That was that whole one. Great. And then my favorite is down here. Uh, hard, had to read this for school. It is, and the adjective is a, a version of a swear. Mm-hmm. So having, having to do with uh, excrement. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it so, is. Yeah, that mm-hmm. with, as an adjective, mm. yeah. right? Um, had to read this book for school. It is that same adjective. But if you are really into the whole knight in shining glory thing, <laughs> okay. then maybe this is for you. Characters have no dimension and plot is painfully predictable. And there is a comment on this review. Young lady. Oh. Semicolon. This is Graham's. This is Graham's. No, no, that's not semicolon. That's just a comment. You should really read more poetry in classical literature, so you'll improve the obvious deficiency you have of the English language, oh, oh, thereby ouch. developing much better and much classier adjectives to use when expressing your opinions. And then maybe you'll be taken more seriously. Ooh. By the way, you do realize this is a public forum where, where all ages are welcome. And out of curiosity... Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. So this has been classical stuff you should know. That was, thank you, Graham, for Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. You can check out our website at classicalstuff.net. You can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can tweet at us on the twits at classicalstuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L, stuff. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's it that's for us, it. I think. Any last comments, boys? No, nope. that's it. Just uh, be careful where you go this holiday season. Yes. <laughs> and be <laughs> Who, who's cog- cognizant of the Wooga Chakas. Yes. Yeah, oh my goodness. And uh, we'll see you next week. Good words for us all. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.